Father, we just, uh, we just come into this place tonight, Lord, and we just have your name, Jesus, to be able to speak before us, to say out in front of us. It's the power that we have is the power of your word, and Lord, we equip that with your spirit, and Lord, nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop us. Just ask you right now that your word would just be revealed to us, that we would hear your word, that we would latch on to it, that we would get passionate about it, and that we would walk it out, that we wouldn't just be hearers, but that we would be doers, that this word would go in deep. We just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, as we've saying, to do what you do, and that is to teach us and to enlighten the word and to reveal mysteries to us that have been held uh, for this time, for this people to be able to hear. And what you do, Holy Spirit, is you speak what you hear. We just ask that we hear you tonight. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is kind of a... Uh, this goes right along with the Holy Spirit class that we're, that we're doing on Monday nights. and I just want to encourage you, if you have not signed up for that and you've been on the fence to, to be in that class, go ahead and come. You've missed the first week. I can help you get caught up. We had over 70 people here, uh, over 20 kids in children's ministry. I mean, we had a house full. Um, we had to split up into six groups, and they were six full rooms of people, all passionately pursuing the Holy Spirit. And I, I just want you to know that it is a guarantee that lives are going to change when we start seeking the Spirit of God. Um, it is, it's a promise that when we start seeking Him, that, that things are going to move, that, that things are going to change. So with that said, um, really this whole message tonight is really what I'm looking for for you. And uh, this goes into what I talked about last Wednesday night about communicated knowledge versus revealed knowledge. But I want you to know um, that before Eve, before Eve was even created and taken out of the body of Adam, before he, she was ever created, God get, gave Adam a clear directive. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, God tells Adam, you may eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden, except the tree that gives knowledge of what is good and what is bad. You must not eat the fruit of the tree. If you do, you will die the same day. Seems pretty clear, right? It's hard that when you only get one rule, it'd be hard to think I would have a problem figuring out that rule. But I guarantee you, if it were me, I would have probably ran to the tree and ate it right then. If you know me. Uh, I was a rebellious youngster, to put it lightly. But we'll leave it there. But we don't know the timing of the next recorded event. If you continue to read this scripture, it could have been after a few weeks, it could have been a few years or even decades or even longer. But the day came when the most cunning beast, the serpent, targeted Eve and questioned God's command. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, we're going to look at that here in just a second. If you can go ahead and put it up, it should be the next scripture Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 maybe I didn't put it up there that's verse 2 um, the question we've got to ask ourselves is how did this demon possessed serpent get Eve to turn on God in a perfect environment now 
she was not raised in a home that abused her. She was not raised by depressed parents, alcoholics. She was not raised in a hard, have a hard childhood. She wasn't, she didn't have hard friendships. She didn't have any baggage. Do you follow this? And she was dropped into a garden of perfection. It was perfect. Not only was it perfect, but the Lord was there. Yet she was deceived. How could the serpent have turned, got her to turn on God in a perfect environment? He said to the woman, back in verse 1, way to go. Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any trees in the garden? Did God really say you shall not eat? He said of every tree in the garden. And I want you to know that this question that the serpent asks, asked is the beginning, the first step of his strategy. His objective was to try to get Eve to sway from God's wisdom. And he cleverly crafted this question to the woman, trying to get her to momentarily lose sight of the multiple trees, the fruit that she could eat, and redirect her focus to the one she couldn't. Y'all with me? God's exact words to Adam had been, you may, you may eat the fruit of any tree in the garden except. His generosity shows us you may eat from any tree. And you know, I want you to think for a moment about how many different types of fruit trees that there are. Unbelievable numbers. And I want to believe that probably every one of those trees was represented in this Garden of Eden. Not one wonderful piece of fruit was withheld from her. Wouldn't you agree? In what God's capable of, if he created a perfect environment, don't you think there was probably even some more fruit for her than probably what we've been able to experience? I would think in the Garden of Eden there was some pretty good fruit, right? But how clever was the serpent? She could have eaten from thousands of trees, but after Satan's twisted question, all she could think about was the one. Have you ever seen that with kids? Whenever they stumble onto a uh, uh, light socket, and go, every child wants to go stick something in the light socket. I don't know why, but there's a hole. Let's stick something metal in it. And what do we do? We get on to them as kids, as parents. No, don't, don't, don't mess with that. Don't play with that. Now, all of a sudden, you can put all the toys out in the middle of the floor, and that's all they see. It's like, I don't want that toy. I want that hole. I want to go stick something in that hole. Not even because it's fun, but because you told me I couldn't. Now that's all I can think about. That's the only one she could think of. And it's no different today. God has freely given us so many gifts. Every blessing heaven offers. However, what is our enemy's strategy? No different than what it was in the garden. Satan seeks to cover up God's generosity so that we only see what is withheld. Why does God restrain anything from us? Because he knows better. The things that we do not need to get involved with ultimately will hurt us. 
He doesn't withhold anything good. He does not withhold anything good. He knows better than we do what's for us. So Eve fires back to the serpent what truth she knows. Look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 2. She said, we may eat of the trees of the garden. We may, eat, we, may eat of the, we may eat the fruit trees of the garden of Eden. Verse 3, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, does anybody catch anything? I mean, I have underlined it for you, so hopefully you're, you can at least see that. God didn't say don't touch it. But Eve has interpreted what she's got to say, not only should we not eat it, we shouldn't touch it. It's, it's interesting to see the inaccuracy of Eve's reply. God never said anything about not touching it. It may seem significant, but I believe it gives us a clue as to why the serpent went after Eve and not after Adam. And I don't believe it has anything to do with that she was a girl and he was a boy. Eve was not on the scene when the original command was given, so she hadn't heard it from the mouth of God as Adam had. And there's a reason to believe that one day Adam was walking around through the garden and had Eve with him. It was just perfect, perfect day, perfect sunset. Fruit was just ripe. No matter what fruit he grabbed, it was ripe and ready to eat. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. And walking around, all of a sudden he walks up on the tree that God spoke to him about. And I believe, I believe that Adam probably said to Eve and said, Hey, I forgot to tell you. God said, don't eat from that one. Okay. And here they keep on going. Right? How else would she have heard it? Adam pointed it out and told what God had said about that particular tree. Now, that type of communication, as I told y'all last Wednesday, is communicated knowledge. She received it from someone communicating it to her, just like I am communicating to you. I am giving you communicated knowledge. On the other hand, Adam received directly from God, which was revealed knowledge. God spoke directly to him. Revealed knowledge is when God shows us something directly. One day Jesus asked his disciples, and I may have this in there, uh, Brian, Matthew 16, 13. He said, who do men say that I am the son of, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Jesus is walking along with his disciples and he just asks a question. Who do people say that I am? And I want you to know, one by one, the disciples started firing back what they had heard from others. One said the resurrected John the Baptist. Another one said Elijah. Another one said Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Those were some of the reports that these men had heard through their days, uh, their, their day's version of Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, they, they picked up that knowledge on Facebook. As they were watching cats do stupid stuff, they picked up, somebody said that Jesus was the resurrected John the Baptist. Jesus got past that 
Jesus got past what they had discovered through communicated knowledge. And then look at the next verse. He says, who do people say that I am? Now, I want you to catch how he asked. Who do people say that I am? Then he says, who do you say that I am? I want to hear from you. Who do you say that I am? And the disciples were like, you know, if he, if he had asked that question first, they would have said, well, the resurrection John the Baptist. See, he got through the first part. He got through the first layer knowing what their response would be, what they had heard. But then he said, who do you say that I am? And after a bunch of fumbling around, Peter finally said, you're the son of God. How did he phrase it? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, I'm sure, just like us, whenever you get asked a question, you're like, you're the the Christ, the son of the living God? The son of the living God? Big question mark. I, I don't know. I don't know how he said it. Knowing Peter, there's no telling how he said it. But I can imagine that Jesus, Jesus just smiled and put his back on Peter's, uh, put his hand on Peter's back, and he, and he said, "Next scripture: Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven." Peter had revealed knowledge. Jesus told him, "You could not have heard this from anyone except my Father." My father who is in heaven. Peter wasn't mimicking information that he had read online or seen, seen in some random magazine. He was sharing the truth God had imparted directly to him. Then Jesus declared that this type of revelation knowledge is what the church would be built on. This is what the church would be built on and that hell's forces could not stop those who possessed it. This word, this revealed word. On the contrary, hell's hell's forces can be more easily deceived to those who possess only communicated knowledge. We we gain, we, we receive revealed knowledge in so many ways. It can happen in reading scripture. How many times have you read something and all of a sudden... An idea comes into your mind. You read the word, you're like, man, I've read that 50 times, but boom. Where did that come from? Wow, I've never seen that before. How else can it come? It could come by, by even an inspired book. I will tell you, reading this book has just gotten my spirit and my mind going. This book is not scripture. But in pursuing the center of what this book is about is the Holy Spirit. Man, I can't stop the information from coming. It is so incredible. How else can we get it? In prayer, listening to the pastor speak, receiving a vision as Peter did on a rooftop, or simply encountering the word of God revealed to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You can't really put your finger on how it's going to occur. Sometimes you just hear a still, small voice in your heart. Are you my conscience? No, I believe the Holy Spirit. That was a quote from Finding Nemo, by the way. Y'all completely didn't get that. But the still, small voice will speak. Listen, 
Other times you simply know because a revelation was just dropped into your spirit. Other times your heart begins to race as you start to sense the presence of God as you read Scripture. However it comes, you know that you have heard from God. And this revealed knowledge cannot be taken from you. I will tell you what the Lord is doing in me right now. Regardless of who wants to argue, it can't be taken from me. And I will tell you that Satan is trying to throw curveballs at me. And you know what? It's okay. He is no match to what I've got. Now, any other time, I'm an easy, I'm an easy target. But not this time. Not this time. And I'm not going to apologize for it. I want to kind of not, I'm not full, I don't, it's not pride. I will tell you, I'm the dumbest one in the room. I can't believe what I didn't know. I can't believe it. But I know, I know a little bit more than I did. And you can't take it from me. You know, when I go running, one of the funniest um, rewards that I have is that after running two or three miles or more, is I get done and I think, that can never be taken from me. It's done. The benefits of my body and my mind and what I've just gone through, it can never be robbed from me. A lot of stuff can be robbed, but not that. It's over. I've accomplished that. That may not be a complete comparison, but when the Spirit of God speaks into my heart, that can't be robbed, and nor is it going to ever not accomplish what it was set forth to do, nor can nothing stop it. Nothing can stop it. There is no force on this earth that can stop that word. The only way it could be stopped, at least in my life, is if I don't do it. How many of you know you can get a word and sit on it? Well, to be honest with you, I'm trying to sit on this as much as I can until I have the, the knowledge and the, the wisdom in how to deliver it. Because it's, it's earth shattering. It's earth shattering. It's so big I can't hardly handle myself. On the other hand, communicated knowledge comes just by merely hearing or reading someone else's statement about what they've heard from God. The knowledge may be accurate, but if the Spirit doesn't reveal it to your heart, it can easily be distorted. So many people misquote the scripture that money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. It's, it's a thing. There's no spirit in it. It's, it's a piece of paper or it's a coin. It's the love of money. But we misquote. I just heard uh, last night, I think it was on Jimmy Fallon, making fun of uh, Christians saying that, they, that Christians hate money. They were talking about Jesus, saying Jesus hated money. That's just what Satan does, is distort the truth. We misquote that money is the root of all evil. It says in 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is a tool. You can misuse a tool, just like a gun. A robber, a thief, a gun in a thief's hand can misuse a gun and kill someone with it. However, when a policeman has a gun in his hand, he can use it to protect people with it. 
the gun is not harmful. It's the person who takes the gun. You lay a gun here, it will sit there until kingdom comes. It will not hurt anyone. It's the, it's the person behind it. The money is not evil. The love of money is the root of all, every kind of evil. Not just evil, every kind of evil. It's bad. But when we make those erroneous comments like this, shows that we have communicated knowledge and not revealed knowledge. And I want you to know that sometimes communicated knowledge is more dangerous than the absence of knowledge. Did y'all catch that? What we do with knowledge, communicated knowledge, sometimes uh, I, I see it, uh, I hate to even use this example, but with Dave Ramsey's principles, people go through Dave Ramsey and try to apply it, but they apply it with their spin on it and wind up getting in worse shape. It's what we do with the word of God when we try to make the word of God work for us and do it our way and not his way. We wind up in a worse shape and then blame God for it. Well, I was following your word. I believe he'd say, uh, no, you weren't. You would not have ended up in this mess if you were. Let's go back and rethink. What did you do? Oh. The words Eve used to describe the command not to touch the fruit of the tree indicated that she had communicated knowledge. God's presence was in the garden. He walked with Adam and Eve, most likely on a, on a daily basis. And it's perfectly fine that Adam shared that command with Eve, what God had commanded. But what she likely didn't do was seek her creator specifically, individually, directly about what was spoken. I want you to know that when you hear me give a word and you receive it, I would encourage you, take it immediately to the Lord. How do you do that? Take it just by asking, just like you're, you and I are talking. God, he gave this word that I'm wanting to kind of grab hold of. Or I got to check in my spirit. Either side. Maybe you liked it or you didn't like it. When people come up and prophesy over me, I say, thank you so much for that word. I'll pray about it. God, this is what was said. Confirm it in your word. Confirm it by some other Christians that I know. Let's, let's confirm this. Because I don't want to grab hold of a lie. But it should be a characteristic of those who seek God to dig more deeply into understanding him. Look at Acts chapter 17, 11. I'd never seen this. Look what it says here in Acts 17, 11. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessal Thessal Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They heard the sermon. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Uh, my group Monday night going through the Holy Spirit, we only got through four of the seven questions asked. And I just said, sorry, we're not going to get through them all. You go do the work. I can't do this all for you. I'm not called to do this for you. You've got to go home and work. You've got to dig. If you, want, if you really want to follow Christ, it is not coming to church, just coming to church for one hour a week. That is not following Christ. It's part of it. But now you've got to go home and follow, look, dig, find out. I want you to know that as you pursue and look, look, start seeking after the Lord, you are going to explode. 
it, it, again, it is me trying to communicate revealed knowledge to you. It is, it, is, it is amazing. The Bereans here did it right. They listened to Paul intently. Then they searched the scriptures themselves. This uh, translation said that they were open-minded. They were open-minded to the voice of the Spirit. But unfortunately, people do not. That they, just, they just hear the word and then they just go on about their, their business. At the end of every session from here on out with the Holy Spirit class, the question that's going to be asked to you is, what has God revealed to you? I'm desperate for the Lord to speak directly to you. Revealed knowledge. You do not have to go through this class for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Let me just say that too. But you do have to seek after the Holy Spirit. And you do have to listen. He is the one that we have here in the earth. He is the one that we have in us. Um, I had a thought today. This is happening all the time. Um, about how he knows my requests before I even ask them. Y'all know that scripture? But he still wants us to make those requests known. Even though he already knows. How does he know? Well, he's God and he's omnipotent. Yeah, but his spirit is in me. And it's not a one-directional spirit. It's going both ways. So when I have a thought, he knows it. He's there. He told me he would never leave me nor forsake me. So every thought I have, he knows. So he already knows the things that I need even before I ask him. But he wants me to engage him. In faith, he is moved by faith. God is not pleased except by faith. I still have to engage him. I can tell my wife at the altar, I love you, but she still wants to hear it daily. Even though I told her, Jesus, I walked the aisle when I was five and told you I loved you and come into my heart and you're it for me. Yeah, what about tomorrow? Tell me tomorrow. Come after me tomorrow. Pursue me tomorrow. This whole picture of the church and the bride, this whole, uh, the whole picture of the church and the, we're the bride and the groom, it makes sense that we are to be pursuing that relationship daily at all times. It is, I'm telling you, it is new to me to have just a regular conversation with the Lord, not based on what I need. It's but it's real. How, how can I be where I am and not, not be further along? <laughs> I, I don't know, but man, it's so good. Revealed knowledge. Some of you tonight have never heard the Spirit of God speak directly to you. I want you to know what's coming. Just ask. Ask. Get in the word and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you. He will, I promise. But you've got to dig. You've got to seek. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek. And I, I, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. 
And when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks what Jesus is saying. It has been the most enlightening thing ever. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit is just not talked about. Now, if you've come the last two or three weeks, that's all I've talked about. But prior to that, even though I love the Holy Spirit, and I've been Spirit-filled since 17, we just haven't talked much about it. But Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit is here. Why aren't we talking about the Holy Spirit? If we'll get to know the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be afraid of the things of the Spirit. And I want you to know that when Jesus walked the earth, he had his Spirit. And he never had a Holy Ghost fit in Walmart. This is not going to be weird. It's going to be awesome. We're, everybody's afraid if the Holy Spirit moves in us, we're going to foam with the mouth and run like a mouse in a wheel until we explode. Or we're afraid the person next to us is going to. Oh God, here they go. <laughs> Jesus didn't do that. We've gotten off. We have distorted the manifestations of the Spirit. We, me, it's me. I can't, I can't worry about you. I can worry about me. I have, I have gotten off. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I don't have to be afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it at all. Do something. Do what you can do. And I'm expecting when I lay hands on you and when I go to do the things that the Lord's called me to do, it's going to happen. And it's going to be awesome. It's not going to be weird. People are going to get up and walk that haven't walked in their life. I saw somebody today that uh, just had a random conversation with somebody with my dad at Subway and he just had a mangled up leg. And I said, I'm sorry, I want to ask you a random question. What happened? And he said, God's good. I should have died. But I didn't die. I had a motorcycle accident. I said, are you still riding? No. <laughs> but I didn't know he was a Christian. To be honest with you, I felt the Holy Spirit say, engage that person. That's odd for me. My dad eats, me and my dad eat lunch two or three times a week. I never do that. That, that was hard for me. And I didn't say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. I just said, what's wrong with your leg? Really expecting to get to pray for him. But he had already had a miracle. I don't know what the Holy Spirit had, but I trust that you got the next step for me. I got to do my step. It was awesome. And then the guy just said, bless you, and left. Woohoo, I didn't have to do anything weird. <laughs> the Spirit of Christ is in you. Listen. Pursue. Ask to be filled. Don't worry what the consequences are. If it's Jesus, it's good. What about Jesus isn't good? That's what we have. Amen? Amen. Stand up with me and let me pray over you. Please stick around and walk around this new building. Pray over it. Ask the Lord to fill it. 
Lord, I just ask you, Lord, as your word says that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you would just fill us, Holy Spirit, that we would be a good temple for you to come into and that we would be open. We wouldn't have our lids on. You can just kind of see a vase that needs to be filled that was made by the potter. You're the potter, Lord, and we're the clay, and you formed us for a purpose. You have a purpose and plan, but also that purpose is that we'd be filled with your spirit and would lead it, we'd be led by it, led into truth, not into lies, but led, led, a spirit of truth would lead us. Not only that, you would empower us. Not only that, that you would give us joy and peace. Peace that passes all understanding. I thank you, Lord, that you are the spirit of peace and the spirit of joy. And the Lord, Lord in the midst of of tough situations, Lord, you are here. And you say to the storm, peace be still. And the storm listens. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on us. We just ask you right now just to come into our heart and to change us. Bring life, bring abundant life I ask you, Lord, to take a Holy Spirit Q-tip into our ears that we might hear. And that when we hear, we would back it up with your word and know never does the Spirit speak outside of the word of God. They will line up. Change us, Lord. Just ask right now that we would just make the Spirit of Jesus and your word the center of our walk. And Lord, I just ask you just to make every other provision that needs to be made. You do what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great rest of the week. We'll see you Sunday morning.